Welcome in everybody to the newest episode of All Things NBA from A to Z, presented by Ball is Life. I'm Chris Persiane and here alongside Zach Noble, and this is a really exciting episode for us because we are here just about halfway through the 2023 to 2024 NBA regular season, and we've got a pretty big trade rumor to discuss as well as our mid-season awards pick. So, Zach, before we get right into it, how are you, man? Doing great, dude. Just uh, loving tonight's game. So it hasn't uh, been a boring night by any means. I've enjoyed both the Jokic and Bead battle and then right into the first half of OKC and Clippers. Yeah, it's been a blast. Some of the best hoops I've seen in a minute. It's been a good second game, but that first game was really good, man. That met all of my expectations. I had the Sixers winning. They did the job. They got it done. A lot of people joke that this is Joel Embiid's Super Bowl, but you know what I got to say to that? (laughs) Good. Take pride in these matchups. You should want to be the best. And Being the best means beating the best, right? So this is how you get it done. Shout out to Joel Embiid. I think nowadays he goes underrated in the discourse. I always say... Um, you know, everyone underrated Giannis and then he chipped up and he was the best player in the league. Everyone underrated Jokic. He chipped up. He was the best player in the league. And Bede is next, man. Comes down to the play. He's done everything you need in the regular season to be the best player in the league. It just comes down to the playoffs for him. So, well, when he's Not- got Jalen Brunson scoring on secondary actions, it's going to be a lot easier for him. So, <laughs> 2025. See you soon. Live in the moment. Let's <laughs> live in the moment, pal. Um, Enjoy this maxi combo. Let's talk about the big news today, which is Sam Amick and Sham Sharanya teaming up for a report. Bruce Brown, salary filler in the form of like two players and three first round picks is the reported compensation that the Raptors and Pacers have currently like kind of met common ground on. Um, or used as common ground. And if a deal is, it, it was a lot of hypothetical language. If a deal is to be done, it would likely look something like that, you know? So basically the trade's almost done. That's why they're reporting it. Um, they picked their wording carefully and intelligently and keenly so that they could be first, which nowadays is very important, but they're actually also probably going to be right. So great work from those two. Emic is really, really good. What do you think of that trade, Zach? What was your first reaction to seeing that? My first reaction was, shit, I didn't want Siakam to go to the Pacers. I mean, I love it for the Pacers. Don't get me wrong. I think he's a guy, like the best player they can get via trade. I think that's as high of quality as they're going to ever get. And I say go for that all day. Uh, Build the best team you can around Tyrese Halliburton. And as long as you're not giving up Benedict Matherin, I'm pretty happy. So Bruce Brown, Obi Toppin, Jalen Smith, that that checks out. I just looked it up. But it could be just Bruce Brown and Buddy Heald, and that checks out as well. So what what would you do, and do you think value-wise that's right on par with Siakam? Because I do. Either way. Um, I think if you're Toronto and you have Gary Trent Jr., Heald might be a little redundant. Uh the Knicks always do the thing where they just take un like lower equivalent draft compensation instead of a player. So like if they're offered someone, they were I, I remember one time there was someone they were offered in a trade and they were like, no, no, we'll just take a single second round pick. 
like would you do that and the other team was like yeah and the Knicks were like okay um and then you know they used like six second round picks to get Jalen Brunson with that so like uh it's just funny um that what they do and they kind of avoid getting players they don't really want if I'm Toronto though I genuinely would think there's something there with putting quickly Barrett and Toppin on the same team in the same division <laughs> as the Knicks and being of like, of course, that's where your mind goes. Be like, you guys want to get revenge, get really good and lead our team into the future because a lineup of quickly Barrett and then you Scotty. have Barnes and Toppin. You know, if you want to play small ball like that, if Scotty can help weak side on the rim, you get to play another wing. And that gets really fun. You could play Grady right there, right? There's your there's your five man lineup of doom, you know. So, uh, maybe in four or three years, but um, next the, year Grady the, will be ready. Baby. The who is yeah when he when he's done with his PX ninety man was what, the, what, that that weight management plan they got. We won't go with big dick vibe yet. Just um, the, yeah, just that he needs. They're saying it's not ready for the league. Um, he, I mean, listen, man. I think that this is a obviously an upgrade on the basketball court for the Indiana Pacers. Here's my thing. If Tyrese Halliburton is as Risky. good, it, it puts a hard ceiling on what you can do. It triggers the Stepien rule really, really hard. Okay. So your your ability to make in-season upgrades is is limited. Yeah, no, that's fair. I mean, that would be their in-season move, you know? They're not going to try to go all in on anything else other than that. Like, what other moves would they be looking to make in the in-season? The rest would be having enough I mean, in-season for the next two, three years. When you trade three years of draft control, you trade away, like, six years of draft control because of the Stepien rule, where you can't trade picks and back-to-back yeah, -back no, years. Yeah, no, I got you. Um, I think that would attract a free agent. But the problem here is it's a big risk. Because Siakam says he's not committing to anybody. If that's accurate, which I kind of buy it, he's never experienced a free agency period. Um, Indiana's still got to take that risk, in my opinion. Three first is just fine for a guy like Siakam. Harden um, for three, and the Clippers go up nine. Yeah, I I definitely think the Pacers, it's a no-brainer for them, honestly. Um Unless you really believe in like Obi Top and really popping, and I am not there. I'm not there, and um, I'm a huge Siakam guy. I love the Turner Siakam fit. I, I I really believe in Benedict Mather, and if you can slot him in there, uh, just because depth purposes, you're gonna need that. He is the fifteenth, the fifteenth worst defensive EPM in the NBA this season. That's fine. That's where, I mean, Siakam turn. I mean, it's a terrible defensive team anyway, so that's not what they're worried about right now. And Bruce Brown, I mean, good riddance, pal. I mean, he didn't do much for that defense, and he chased the bag this year, so you can't feel bad for him. Um, he got what he wanted. He He's going to be on the move. Probably he'll get traded from Toronto again. You think Philadelphia goes, goes for him? I think a lot of teams should. That's a big number. I mean, you're giving up Tobias Harris at that point, and Bruce Brown. Uh, no, I think next year's a player option, even no a team option, right? I don't think he's locked in for that shit deal for another year. So, yeah, I, I mean, I'd be cool with that for the Knicks. It's just, um, again, I mean, do they are they gonna have the minutes for him? The way Miles McBride is popping, bro. Deuce is nice, bro. Uh, give me Brown all day over him.
Yeah, but Deuce is nice. Make it out. All right. Well, <laughs> we'll get, we'll save Deuce for another day. It's time to pivot to our mid-season award choices. We had the Nuggets and 76ers go at it tonight. That's the two best bigs in the game, Nikola Jokic and Joel Embiid going head-to-head, toe-to-toe. Embiid took this one. Zach, does your MVP pick have anything to do with that game? Well, we're going to start right at the MVP. So I will tell you, I mean, at this moment, the MVP has nothing to do with that game, uh, but it definitely helps the long-term battle. Um, and that's kind of where I, I said, I mean, one game, um, the head-to-head will matter when it's all said and done if it's still close. But right now, I mean... Who is your pick if the season ends today? All right, so Joel Embiid's the best player right now. Unfortunately, he's not the MVP because of games played. Um, by the Hoops Hype global rating scale, he's on pace to be ineligible, and he's missed nine, ten games already. Um, so unfortunately, he's in like that three, four range. But like last year, um, he caught up at the end because Jokic started missing games. And so basically by default, he worked his way in there um, because he had a healthy last 10, 15 games. So Philly fans, don't come at me just yet, but, but SGA right now is the MVP. He's the reason they are in this game against arguably the best team in the league right now, the Clippers. Um, he's been incredible um, top to bottom. I mean, global rating, uh, whether you like that stat or not, I, I tend to have, I've really enjoyed it following that stat closely this year. And um, last 30 days, they have him number one um, for the year. He's, he's right there in the mix. Uh, but I just think for what he has around him, nobody's making a more, bigger impact when it comes to winning value. So it's SGA, Jokic is right there, Giannis, and then Embiid. I don't care. Like, Embiid's number two just because he's, like, so good right now. I mean, when he plays, his peak has been higher than anybody, but those games played is what puts him more at, like, three, four range for me. Yeah, man. So, Shea Gilgis Alexander is also my MVP at this juncture of the season. Um, You take a look at... EPM estimated plus minus. It's one of the two stats that NBA that's one of the two advanced stats that NBA front offices pretty much all legitimately use and legitimately pay attention to. There are two guys that are ahead of the pack. Now Halliburton, Doncic, Jokic, and Antetokounmpo are that group right below. But Giannis Antetokounmpo's EPM this season is 7.1. That's 99th percentile. Shea Gilgis Alexander has a 9.8 EPM this season and Joel Embiid is first in the league at 10.2. I agree. Embiid has been the best player in the NBA this season. He's played 29 of 39 games. SGA has played 38 of 39 games. Basically, he's 0.2 lower than Embiid on offense, 0.3 lower than Embiid on defense. And he's by far second. Like there's no one within even in the eight range, you know, 7.1 is the next highest. And he's at 9.8. It's just ridiculous, ridiculous play from him. And you take a look at the conference standings. Yeah, the Timberwolves are 28 and 11, but the Thunder are right there at 27 and 12. Now, Chet Holmgren is really, really, really good. And he's definitely the second best player. SGA is definitely the best player. The Timberwolves the best player this season, I think 
could be the debate could be up in the air just a little bit. It's not up in the air, but I mean, you're right. It's closer than people give it credit for. Um, Kat and Rudy are <laughs> really freaking good this year. It's a pretty balance and they all take away from each other for sure. Like for context, I have Ant down at number nine right now. His highest, he was like 20 games ago because I do it on a weekly basis. I had him up to number three at one point, uh, but he was averaging 27, 28 around then. Uh, but yeah, SGA, man, it would be really cool uh, for Oklahoma City, but also just for a guy to be this young, to take this award out of left field and also a guy that um, most improved player last year and then goes to the MVP and a guard. Like, check this out. Guard shooting over 50% is insane in general. He's shooting 56% right now. And 31, 32 points per game on top of that. Like, the dude is a two-way savant. Like, he is borderline all defense, too, in my opinion. I think he's that good defensively. It's incredible how good this guy is. Uh, um, I, I don't want to say he's better than Jokic because he hasn't done anything in the playoffs yet, but, like, he does anything in the playoffs this year, yes, he's he's above Jokic. Not, not, sorry, not Jokic. Sorry, Luka, Luka, Luka. You don't Luka. get it twisted. Whew. Man, I almost had a heart attack on myself right there. Uh, Luka. But, yeah, any we other – We can't speak today. <laughs> any other MVP candidates you want to throw out there or just guys that are – Making a push. Um, Jokic and Doncic, funnily enough, are the two guys that I think are really making uh, a case of their own. Um, I got Luca at five. Yeah, they're really good. Laurie Markin is having one of the best seasons in the league, but team success has him beyond out of the debate. Kawhi Leonard yeah, is a better candidate than him. Even Halliburton is a better candidate than Laurie this season but man i just want to shout out all nba caliber player lori markin the if, best if player keep surging the... though hey if the jazz keep surging they get their way into the top eight or something somehow lori lori's the best player in the donovan mitchell deal i'll tell you that dude donovan mitchell i have it six in the mvp right now he's absolutely insane the last month um, i know lori markin is the best player that was traded in that deal He's not better than Donovan Mitchell right now. At basketball, yes. Yes. No he is. way, dude. No. Um, listen, <laughs> man. That's an agenda of mine from before this season. So I just Bef I, okay, before the season. Before the season. We I gotta get Lori into the playoffs and at least Yeah. He's gotta do it for a longer, longer time. This season, EPM. Donovan Mitchell, 4.1 on offense, 0 0.7 on defense. He's in the 97th percentile at 4.8. Laurie Markkinen, negative 0.9 on defense, positive 5.8 on offense. He's in the 98th percentile at 4.9. So they're neck and neck on EPM for what it's worth. No, Laurie's very good. No, I'm not saying I'm, I'm not saying it's a huge gap, but there's a gap. And Laurie's he, he's coming like. If he would like, if he were to get in the top eight, top seven seed, we can have an argument, for sure. But he's got to lead to that. Just and I'm given like, say Mitchell's at like three or four seed. Um, the fact that 
he's doing this and they're rolling right now with all, all they're going through. The injuries injury are wise. ridiculous. And just the reports and like the friction, it seems, and the bad coaching that people want to make it out to be. It hasn't been as bad as people want to make it out to be, but yeah. we move on to the next award? I want to go to rookie of the year. What are your thoughts? Good. This is a very easy one. Talk about a couple of dudes and get out of this one, but it's Chet. It's Chet. Hands okay, down. let's get that out of the way. But Wemby's getting really good as the game. He just statistically, he's got to figure out how to win. His team's better than the record shows. Uh, but he's learning how to put up counting stats, and that's the first step. Tied for second in the NBA and EPM, and Tillman's missed 12 games. Hartenstein's played all 40. He's number one. Wenbanyama, 3.7, tied for number two. So this global rating scale, Chet's 18.61, Victor's at 12.6 on the year. But just the impact Chet is having from a two-way perspective, one, he's the second best, clear, clearly the second best player on a top three team in the regular season right 12, now 12th best epm in the entire nba thus far this year entire holy shit you know that's that's huge i mean he's right under donovan mitchell and right above kevin durant here's one for you give me a rookie though that maybe maybe luca rookie luca the last rookie to have this big of an impact that chet's having right now from like a win, winning perspective Chet being the best defender on a top three defense in the NBA and arguably the number one defense is really fun. Like this kid is so good. Can you, is that too hard of a question right now? Can you think of that? Oh, um, I, I've been trying to think about that one for like a couple hours, to be honest. Okay. Definitely Luca. But like Luca was better. But he also had a way bigger role in a team that was not winning very much. I mean, you put Chet on that team, he'd average twenty plus easily. I'm I'm not I'm not saying it's out of the realm to say this Chet Holmgren has had way more of an impact on winning than that Luka Doncic. Am I insane for saying that? I you know, the thing <laughs> with Chet is the defensive floor, right? So like last night he played 30 minutes against the Lakers. He scored nine points on four of nine shooting, one of four from deep, but he had eight rebounds, four assists, a steal, and three blocks, right? So it's like he does bring stuff even when the scoring isn't there. That's really important. But, you know, you want to see him have more games like he did against the Celtics um, when he dropped, like, 14 and seven assists and, like, five blocks or four blocks or something. I remember he didn't rebound great that game, but no one cares. That's like, it was crazy. I mean, Chet was better than Anthony Edwards and LaMelo Ball, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is hard, but yeah. (laughs) We're halfway through the year. It's tough. If the season ends today, I guess so, man. Yeah. No, And then Zion didn't pull much. Um, John Morant was pretty good, but I still impactful. I mean, only being halfway through the season, it's hard, but if it ended today, yeah, that's what we're talking about. Exactly. We got to go with that. Um, okay. So we agree. Wemby's awesome, but it's chat. 
I just want to shout out Hame Hawkins at number three, Brand Miller at four. Those are the only people that are even remotely in the conversation. Agreed? Um, um, Keontae George, Jordan Hawkins, Derek Lively, maybe. Oh, Lively. Lively not doesn't have the games played, but he was really good. People people were talking about him as like maybe third when he was playing. The thing with Lively is, I mean, you could, if you round up, you get to nine points, eight rebounds. Um, analytically, very good. He checks out incredibly well. He, like as a big man already, like a tier three, tier almost borderline tier two big man. Um, seventy three percent from the field. Yes, low attempts, but still. As a rookie, take that all day and run with that. So um, let's transition to six man of the year. Do and... I, do I breathe? <laughs> You're kidding, right? I'm kidding, but shout out do I breathe. Good Why are you player. even shouting him out? Not just good ball player. If you're the real, the real okay. now. All right. Who do you got? Good ball player. All right, so this one actually is closer than um, I originally thought. Okay, I, I thought, like, my guy was running away with it, but you could argue five, six guys, and I'm okay with it. My number one, mainly because of efficiency, mainly because I think he's having the biggest impact and just he's a clutch performer. Uh, I think he's going to just be important the rest of the way, too, is kind of why I'm giving him the nod, but Norman Powell is my sixth man of the year. All right. That's a pick, man. You love Norman Powell. Um, You love. But listen to this. I mean, analytically, he's, he's towards the top of this list. It's not a lot of top-tier analytically driven guys, but like 51 from the field, 46 from three, 90. He's about to be 50, 40, 90. Um. 14 points a game and i think as the season goes i think he gets to 14 15 i i really do um i think his values get more important um they rely on him in the clutch he's in that clothing closing death lineup listen here's my pick for six man of the year because we got to keep this thing moving i got malik monk i have him number five why malik monk over this guy is not a great defender but yeah, that's the stat that I think it's for six man of the year. You can care a little less about six man of the year has always traditionally been about a bench score. And Malik Monk has been really good. 85th percentile on the offensive end this season. And let's just you want to run the counting stats. Well, it's 15 points and five assists, 40 percent from downtown, 44 percent from the field. That is awesome. He's so good. He's my sixth man of the year. He's really helping out the Sacramento Kings. I know right now they feel like a good bet for a nightly collapse, but they're going to be 23 and 17 after tonight if they lose, and that's still pretty good. I look at Malik Monk, though, just it's weird. It's hard to explain because I look at him out of this list, so I'll tell you. I got Tim Hardaway Jr., number two, Benedict Mathurin, number three, Jame Hawkes, four, Nazareth, six, Cole Anthony, Bobby Porras, and Buddy Heald. That's my list. Uh, Malik Monk at number five. Like I said at the beginning, I could accept Malik Monk, maybe one, two-ish. But like Malik Monk, I think, has the least amount of impact as the, the 
three, four guys above him, mainly because of defense. I just think how he scores his points when they come, I think, I don't think they're empty by any means. I'm not saying that. I just think um, they're, they're not like super clutch. They're not like as important as these other guys, you know, I, I, when I watch him play, I just think of, I think Keegan Murray, Harrison Barnes, I think those guys are more impactful and more important than him. And I, I look at that team's improved so much because of DeMontis Sabonis, how much he's gotten better this year. He's been incredible. He's leading the league in rebounds per game this season. That's fun. That's a stat for you. Um, he's 41% from three, man. He's averaging a career high in points per game, too. Like, that hand mattered come playoff time. Like, that dude is leveled up. Like, he, he might be the least talked about guy this year. He's had a really, really strong season. Um, defensively, I think this is a fine way of putting it. He's been a neutral defender this year. Thus far. You're Sabonis or Malik Monk now? Sab- Sab- Sabonis. Okay. So, Malik yeah, Monk has been a negative. Been neutral to me. Malik Monk has been a negative. Sabonis is, uh, I think he's been a negative defender several times. Ooh. This year, though. I think a lot of people agree with you, though. He's so good on offense that it really doesn't matter that he's only a neutral defender. He's still got, like, a top 30 uh, uh, analytical profile. Um, and, and that's just really fun. You know, and I, I think the analytics are fun for me in the midseason MVP picks because they're the, you know, the, the catch alls are the closest thing we've got at, at figuring anything out this early into the season. Um, there's so many expectations tied in and different things that I try to just keep it a little bit out of my own hands, but also my own pick, like, you know, not caring as much about defense for six man of the year, caring more about SGA's lower usage and higher games played. You know, you have to read into the stats in your own way. Um but let's head to the next award. You picked this last one, right? So I'm going next. And listen, I need to talk about <laughs> I need to talk about defensive player of the year with you. Um, because my pick is Rudy Gobert. That's Thank who I've you. got. There we go. At this juncture in the season. Uh, this is not an EPM pick at all, because he is not uh I don't think he has a top ten defensive EPM thus far in the season um but i'm not gonna check that's gonna take way too long and i think just think he's defensive player of the year because you take a look at the minnesota timberwolves being number one in the western conference at 28 and 11 as discussed earlier you think about who their best defender is and where the team is at defensively also that team is 16 and 2 at home i know it's corny but to me like if your nails at home that should tie into like you're a defender. Like you, I love that. That's like the corniest interpretation of the award ever. But to me, there's something about a center who doesn't let you score on him at home. Like that's his paint. You know what I'm saying? And I, I just, they're so good. They're 16 and two at home. That's ludicrous. Um, And I, I just think that you take a look at the defense and it's, it's everyone knows who the top dog is in that defense, but I got to know what you think of that pick. Because, I, you know, do you agree? Do you agree because you're a Timberwolves fan? Do you agree regardless? He's exactly what we expected and hoped for when we made that trade and gave up everything. I mean, a lot of people don't like giving an award to somebody who maybe declines in the playoffs. But I hate to break it to you, most players, basically all players ever decline. Um, 
just the way it goes. So it's hard to factor that in. Like same with like Embiid for the MVP. It takes time to break out. Everything has to fall your way. I mean, health matters, all that jazz. But yes, Rudy Gobert is my defensive player there as well. He does um, lead in some defensive, I mean, categories. That, I mean, it's not like glaring in a lot of them, but like D LeBron statistic, he's number one. Um, he's... Uh, on the number two, three, maybe some people think we're still number one best defense. I think we're closer to two or three. Uh, just, I think it's still pretty inconsistent at times, but he's always consistent. And I, I almost go to the point that he might be the most valuable player on our team. I truly believe that. I mean, some people think Mike Connolly's really unlocked this guy, but he was this good last year defensively. Uh, we were a top 10 defense, uh, basically all the games he played. And Jaden McDaniels has kind of stayed about even, if not declined a bit this year. So you can't really weigh in that factor. Uh, but he's a worthy guy to have four of these things. He really is. He had some great teams in Utah. They just weren't good enough to do much in the playoffs. I, And it's a award like he doesn't have a ton of competition. It's not like there's anybody like that McDan amazing. McDaniels for this has been really good on defense for what it's worth. Good. I mean, he's, he's good. He's pretty damn good. But I'm not going to say like last year is all NBA defense, in my opinion. I thought he was that good. I mean, you can. Maybe you think he's that good this year. I just think he's his off being his offense has struggled a bit this year and hasn't grown like he's wanted. I think it deters his confidence. I really do. Um, I hear you. Let's say I have Bam two, Giannis three, Porzingis up there. I think I have Porzingis at four. That was a tough one. Then mm -hmm. Kawhi right there at five. Okay. Um, dude, Isaiah Hartenstein is like top. Five. He's the top five. What is guy. he averaging in minutes, though? That I mean, that matters here. 24.9. Yeah, that's not even. You need to be at least 27, 28. All right, listen. That was the thing with Brooke Lopez the year that Giannis won, and I thought Lopez should have won. I thought um, Brooke should have maybe won last year. Okay. Hartenstein played 28 minutes against the Magic, right? But 42 against the Grizzlies, 32 against the Mavs. 28, 39, 35, 37, 39. He's been playing more minutes. It's been going up because Robinson's out. It's going to get up to 30 at least by the end of the season. I mean, the Knicks are, you can argue, they're about 10th, 11th best defense. Um, and uh, they give up the seventh, seventh least points. I mean, the defensive rating is 14. So, I mean, I always like to average those two out. Uh, but, man, that's it just doesn't pop out. I mean, he's just he's a rock-solid guy, you know what I'm saying? He's not a guy that, I mean, when I like that award, like, Rudy makes some really critical plays, and he Rudy will get out on the perimeter. Do you, I mean, do you see Hartenstein doing that a little bit? Yes, but not. I feel like he's just a not stable. As part of, I, but not as part of the scheme. The scheme is dropped. So I think he's like a, I think he's just like a Zubat. You know? He's way better. On defense? Yeah. 
I'm, I'll I'll pay more attention to that. I think watch because two steals, two steals, two steals, four blocks against Memphis, three steals, one block against Portland, four steals, two blocks against Washington, two steals, two blocks against Philly, no steals, five blocks against Chicago, against your Timberwolves. He had three steals, three blocks. Also, this guy pours in 8.3 rebounds a game this season, which is a career high. But you take a look at his last, oh, I don't know, 10 games, and it's a much different number. 12 rebounds last time out, 20 the game before, 15, 14, 19 the games before. He's been crazy. Six rebounds the game before that, but 20 the game before that, he's making up for it. I'm just making, I'm just saying he's top five. I like it. I like it. Um, outside of the minutes is what gets me on him. And I mean, those steal and block numbers you're throwing out there, that kind of threw me for a little bit of a loop. And I will give you this. Um, he's one of few great defenders on the Knicks. And I mean, good to great for me, but I mean, you're making them sound great. Um, so that matters because they're a good, good defense. And so, if you got a bunch of shitty defenders playing good defense, it comes down to mainly a guy or two, and he's that guy. So I'll give you that. Uh, nobody else you want to throw out there? Uh, I mean, you got to shout out, like you said, you got to shout out um, Bam. But I, I think, I think Embiid could deserve, could deserve a little shout. But the Sixers team defense, I don't know if it's there for me to say that when Benyama has been so fantastic, but the team success is non-existent on defense. You really like, yeah. I mean, like, yeah, he's, he's good at blocking the ball, no, but he's been, he's been good on defense, man. So Bam or Giannis, I'm Bam. I give that mm-hmm. nod to Bam, but I mean, I'm going to go Bam too. I'm going to go. Yeah, Bam Giannis well. just keeps getting better defensively as the I'm year gonna, goes. Yeah, but I'll go Bam right now. Okay. Coach of the year? Yes. Who do you got? I don't think this is a debate, okay? I really am. If you have anybody different, I'm going to look at you kind of funny. Um, Mark Dagnall, like huge gap after him. I don't don't say anything else if it's not your guy. We're just. I don't have Mark as my coach of the year. I don't know what to say. I might need to just cancel. Cancel the programming. <laughs> End the show right here. Listen, man, my coach of the year works in the Twin Cities. Fantastic ball coach. I loved him since he was an assistant on the Pelicans. He's good at what he does. He's great at scheming out an offense, and his defense has been great this year. I know he has Rudy Gobert. I know they paid out the wazoo for Rudy Gobert, but they had a vision, and they're acting on it. It's working. Respect, credit, being given. Yeah, but I I like to say, I give more credit to Mike Conley. I give more credit to Anthony Edwards' growth, Cat's maturity, I'll tell you, it's just the scheme, like, it, it, it looks good about 30% of the time. The talent looks good 80% of the time, 90% of the time. And it's just, 
enough and they play hard and well-rounded. It's still, it's still ugly at a decent amount of time. And the thunder never doesn't look great to me. It, it always looks great to me. <laughs> Um, it's very rare. Like if their shots not falling, that's the only thing, but it's still, they're still good looks. It's still the right shots. You know, it's, it's still a balanced diet. It's still guys know their roles and they're in their places. Um, that talent isn't nothing compared to the Timberwolves. Uh, I think you're underrating them then. Polished talent. Okay. They're, they have the talent on the roster. They're growing, but there's no way. Like, yeah, I just, they got, a, they got a ways to go to mature. Jason Wallace, Isaiah Joe. I, I, I get the talents there. SGA and Chet elite defenders this year. Yes. Or we know what that guy's calling card is in the league. They're good. They're a good team. But why Finch over Dagnall? Just you like their scheme? You scheme better? I offensively, yes. I think OKC's defense is is better, but Minnesota has the better record right now. So by a game, half yeah, a game. Yeah, we're doing it. <laughs> we're doing if the season ends today. Yeah. And knowing uh, that's sometimes the deciding factor. I'll give and you aren't that. the and the Thunder. I mean, it's the fourth quarter, but they're down ten. So it'll be it'll be a game and a half. <laughs> hey, that works your your card for sure. Um, any other coaches that have a shot? I mean, to me, Joe Mazzulla. Absolutely I want to. I want to give a. He's not winning, and he shouldn't be top three, but he deserves a participation trophy or more than that. Will Hardy becoming one of my favorite NBA coaches. Love him. Um, the recent news about him kind of just discovering Colin Sexton is hilarious to me. Um, he basically came out and admitted that he was going by Colin Sexton's reputation on the caps and um, other reports he heard versus watching Colin Sexton, getting to know him himself and giving him a fair chance. And then he finally came around on him. He's like, Oh, this dude's a dog. This dude works harder than anybody. This dude can absolutely ball. Kudos for the self-awareness, but it, you should always have an open mind. That's a great, great learning tool for all coaches yeah. out hey, there. Hey, young coach, got to learn life. sometime. Yeah. No, I, I outside of that, I do like Will Hardy. I think he's overachieved his ass off two years in a row now and growing to do even better this year with just a weird roster. Very weird roster. And it, a lot of these guys are just super inconsistent. And the fact that they're in the hunt and 500 is incredible. So, yeah, he could definitely sneak in here. So that's a great shout. Um, but Joe Missoula, I think if he somehow record-wise they win like 63 games or better, I think he would have to win it. But it has to be an absurdly solid gap between them and the next team, whether it's Timberwolves are okay. See if they hang strong. I hear you. All right. Well, we have one award to go and I know we started out with MVP, but this is certainly last but not least 
It's the most improved player award. Zach, I'm going to start with you. It's the last award. I know you love it. So I'm going to hand it off to you first. Give me your number two and then give me your number one. All right. This is my favorite award every year. This is the reason why I love the NBA, to be honest, Aha, is cool. I knew this it. exact award um, and just player development and growth, watching guys pop off and go through the hurdles and all that jazz and becoming the person and player they were meant to be. And so for me, this award isn't just counting stats, okay, which is usually who wins it, who takes the biggest leap counting stats. I mean, you got to become a, a valuable player, impactful. It's just basically a different iteration of the MVP as well, in my opinion, because usually the player that wins this is on a good team. Um, they're an all-star that year, too, and uh, they're making a huge impact, and they're they're going to be very good for the long run. So for me... No two-year players as well can't win this award. When Luca didn't win this award, I eliminated all second-year players being up for contention. So my MIP is close between these top two guys, but um, there's still a gap there. It's um, going to be Norman Powell. <laughs> yeah. Uh, number two <laughs> would be Elpie Shangun, and uh, he's – got everything going for him outside of, i mean defense has grown but i mean that's the area that he needs would be to... that would be the first center to win since jermaine o'neal in o2 the year like the, the year i was born i like that so he is not my number one but i mean if he keeps growing this year which i think he will he's got a good chance at winning it but right now it's scotty barnes for me um i don't think there's much of a debate, but I mean, this guy's jumped from 15 to 20 points per game this year. Uh, career high in rebounds at 8.5. Um, assists is a career high at 5.6. The dude's super versatile. He can do it all. The biggest jump for him, I mean, career high in field goal percentage, career high in three-point shooting, though. He went from 30% year one, 28% year two. Shooting 5.6 attempts this year, he's up to 38% from three. Like, this guy's an all-star. Um, as long as the Raptors keep winning and are in the hunt, he should be an all-star. Uh, Two-way player, he's going to be very, very good. I think he's got top seven ceiling in him um, if he can keep growing. But, yeah, he'd be a guy I'd be very pleased with winning the award because I like when great players win this award. Hey, man, I, I like it. I I know the award typically, you know, guys who make that jump get it. So Maxi's technically, you know, the guy in line for it this year. But to me, he was this good last year, man. Me and you, man. Thank you for saying it. I, I don't think Maxi is some like superstar player. I don't think he's some crazy, crazy top NBA player. I just think he's really good. And he was really good last season. Scotty Barnes, to me, the biggest jump, Zach, is in the three-point territory, three-point area, man. The amount he's taking per game, mm -hmm. like, he's making more per game this season than almost than he took per game. Like, it's just crazy. Like, the jump is nuts, and it's the volume and the percentage going up is so impressive to the extent that they both did. 
For that reason, I know I sound like I'm in Shark Tank, but for that reason, I'm in on Scotty Barnes as the most improved player. Respect to him up in Toronto. I know it's been a little bit of a different stretch for him recently, but that you know it's expected with new ball handlers, new teammates. So he'll get used to playing with Quick and RJ, um, who have been really great there in Toronto, and and Scotty's going to keep getting better, I think. So this has been a really big jump for him this season in a lot of important swing areas for his game. Love that. And I, I appreciate what you said about Maxi. Me and you have both been on that train. And the thing is, it literally just comes to minutes for Maxi. Like he could do everything he did right now last year. He, I mean, he was a way better, um, more efficient, more efficient player last year. 48 instead of 45% from the field. Um, he was 6% better from three last year. Um, just basically counting stats have gone up. And that's because. Harden's gone. He needs to handle the ball more. Um, literally, he's not much better of a player, and that's what matters. It's not just counting stats. It's player. Um, other guys, I think, that have taken a bigger leap than Tyrese Maxey. Uh, call me crazy, but I have Maxey at number seven for this award right now. Um, I got Cam Thomas at number three, Kobe nope. White at number four, Okay. Fran- Franz Wagner at number five, and then okay. Sabot. Sabonis at six. I think Franz is one of the guys who was this just about this good last year. Um, who did you say that I totally disagreed with? Uh, it was probably Cam Thomas. I think defense is just underrated in, in, in the NBA when we analyze player to player. Um, and I think that Cam Thomas has been one of the most harmful NBA players on the defensive end of the court this season. Now, listen, with what he's good at and what the Nets need, they should play him a lot of minutes. So Cam Thomas is basically like a maxi, but way more extreme points per game. He went up 11 points per game this year, um, which is just basically based off minutes. Um, yes. He yeah, it's opportunity. A, right. He hasn't grown a ton as a player. That's why I would hate to have him win the award. Don't think he's remotely close, but you need both those factors. And Barnes and Shangoon both have the – both the things going for them. They're improving greatly as a player and their stats have gone up a lot. That would be my seven that I had down. Then that's it for me. That's going to be it for Zach and I. Thank you everyone for tuning in to all things NBA presented again by ball is life. All things NBA from A to Z is with you weekly. Stay tuned. Turn on our post notifications. Thumbs up, subscribe, five-star rate, you name it. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next time. Peace out, everyone. Peace.